Welcome to the Boulder Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Davis. This is our first episode for 2020's Boulder Startup Week. Because of the coronavirus, this year's Startup Week takes place virtually. We won't be doing as many interviews as we have the past two years, and we'll miss seeing everyone in person, but look forward to catching as many of the online sessions as we can. For more info and a full schedule, visit boulderstartupweek.com. Our guest today is Dave Mayer, founder and CEO at Technical Integrity. We talk about recruitment for startups, how the notoriously grinding startup lifestyle is changing, founders and their mental health, and the impact of COVID-19 on, well, everything. All of that and more as the Boulder Tech Podcast speaks with Technical Integrity's Dave Mayer. Before we dive into things, first, uh, some quick background. What does Technical Integrity do and how did the idea for the company come about? Thanks. Grateful to be here. Big fan of the podcast. So awesome to be chatting with you. So September will be our 10th anniversary of being a small business based in Boulder and serving the Boulder and Denver startup communities. And, um, you know, I've been in recruiting for 20 years. Uh, this year is my 20th year, which is pretty crazy um, that I actually started in the recession of 2000, you know, started cutting my teeth back then, although it was nothing like, uh, like the current recession. We saw a need in the startup community um, after the 2007-8 recession, um, and that was that startups were having a hard time scaling and fi- attracting and retaining top talent, but for a good reason, there was a real sort of distaste for recruiters in the startup community because they were typically known as douchebags, and I don't say that lightly. It's... Uh, you know, well aware of what the reputation of the average recruiter is, um, looking out for themselves and their wallets, and they'll say whatever is good for their bottom line and not really taking into account that there's lives and families and businesses at stake. And so when we built Technical Integrity in 2010, uh, launched in September of 2010, it was to be a true partner to the startup community. We knew how vibrant the community was and and how collaborative and and really just uh, wanted Colorado and Boulder and Denver to be better as communities. And sitting in the back of the room, listening to Brad Feld and David Cohen at, at the Boulder Denver New Tech Meetup in probably immediately prior to that, Great Recession, 06, 07, talking about the Give First ethos and what that really meant to building the startup ecosystems and entrepreneurial communities. That's when the light went on for us and and for me. It was this Give First ethos was really important. And so that's when we built it into our DNA as an organization and put aside and really eschew the idea of the pushy salesy recruiter and just say, look, you know, we've got this talent in building high performing, profitable engineering and executive teams. And we're here to be a partner to the community where, you know, if you want to talk about recruiting, great. If you don't, we'll be over here having a beer and let's just kind of hang out and get to know one another. And and getting rid of that pushy salesy was really a big part of the differentiator. And, you know, you know, but we had to prove it over time. 
you know, that we were genuine in the approach, that we really meant what we said, that we were honest and transparent and that we were living by our namesake of having integrity of, in everything that we did. And, you know, we started out by putting on some of the original startup weekends in Boulder and worked those long weekends and, you know, went back to work on Monday and it was super rewarding and it was, it was the right way to, to go about it. And that has since been proven out, um, you know, original organizer of Boulder startup week uh, number two. So I guess, uh, you know, this would have been 10 years for us uh, being involved in, in Boulder startup week. Uh, I guess we're officially involved, but not in person. Thanks COVID. And uh, same thing with, uh, you know, through ourselves at being organizers of, of Denver Startup Week number two. And, you know, again, thousands and thousands of volunteer hours. But um, it has proven to be the right way to, to show our seriousness about our community and our love for our community. Uh, I'll shut up now. Is there a particular uh, skill set and or temperament that makes a good recruiter? And what is that? Did you decide... I want to be a recruiter or did you just find yourself in a situation where you were like, Oh, I'm kind of a natural matchmaker. How does, how does that come about and what does it take to be an effective recruiter? It sort of all came full circle. Interestingly, I, so I moved to Colorado on December 1st of 97 in summer of 98. I helped to organize 130,000 person street festival with the city of Denver with the downtown Denver partnership in my former career as an event manager. And um, there was definitely some similarities around who do I know who can be of assistance to us in, you know, helping us, whatever, uh, you know, shut down the, the city safely so pedestrians can come congregate on, on 16th Street Mall for the weekend, you know, who should I be talking to to book music? All of these sort of traits started out, uh, you know, I enjoyed some of these traits early in my career, and you know, I was effectively a, a party planner straight out of college, uh, an event manager straight out of college, and and then it moved into much larger events, conferences for HP and these kinds of things, and, and then the, the largest event was this street festival. And why I say it came full circle is that I later, 10 years later, ended up working with Downtown Denver Partnership to put on Denver Startup Week uh, number two. and a lot of very familiar faces there and it was um, rewarding to to come back and put on big events like uh, uh, Ignite Denver uh, at the uh, Paramount Theater that sat right next to uh, the Downtown Denver Partnership and, and work with those same people again. And so to answer your question, it was, you know, I, I decided to move away from event management in, after that big event in 98 went in, uh, I guess, uh, into 99, went into event management, actually, for the Volunteers for Outdoor Colorado and, and did some large events for them. And then uh, 2000, got into recruiting with Volt Services Group back in the day, and they allowed me to cut my teeth. You know, what makes a good recruiter? I think it's really just sort of a genuine understanding and care for the people involved on both sides. Um, it's not easy to really understand what your client needs and wants and also understand what the candidates need and want and then putting those two together and helping one or, or both understand that, uh, you know, maybe there's not a match. Maybe there's not a match right now or, you know, an early lesson I, I learned was 
there was a technical match uh, for a particular candidate at a particular job in, in Boulder, and it seemed like all the T's were crossed and the I's were, were dotted, except this individual wasn't willing to commute or, you know, it wasn't an ideal commute. And my boss at the time said, you know, you really need to think about is this person going to quit in six months because they're tired of commuting from Denver South to Boulder? And in my early days, I didn't understand that was a real issue. And obviously now it's, it's hyper clear, but it became very evident that you can't put square pegs in round holes, but there's a lot of folks who still do, but really listening, I think listening to those little nuances and listening to are you, have you consulted your spouse on this opportunity? You know, are you sure that they really are on board with you moving across country to come to Colorado? Are you sure that uh, you want to move from a small company to a large company or vice versa? You know, these kinds of things you just sort of learn to listen to and listen for through the years and understand that, you know, even one tiny piece of the puzzle, if it's not there, the client's not happy, you know, the candidate's not happy, the whole thing blows up and, and uh, time to start over. And that's obviously not what anybody wants. So you kind of have to see the whole board. You have to understand the needs on both sides of the relationship. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're talking to a client who's looking for a job, say, and you're asking them these questions? Are you okay with a commute? Are you okay with moving from a bigger company to a smaller company? That sort of thing. And you're hearing what they're telling you. And even you're like, "Uh, I don't think you believe you want to say that, but you really don't believe that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that, you know, for us, it's the, just as a point of clarity, the end client is, is the one that's hiring. And then the candidate is, is the one that's looking typically. Uh, although those can you know, be interchanged. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, listening, you know, I actually use the differentiation between listening and hearing. Uh, when I was a, a best man at, at my buddy's wedding, this was before even uh, I was married. And I, I stood up and said, you know, there is a distinct difference between listening to your spouse and, and hearing your spouse. And I think that's very much the case with both candidates and clients. It's, you know, I typically say with with clients, thanks for the job description. What are you really looking for? You know, let's start at the beginning. You know, you might believe you are looking for this, but what you're really telling me is that you're looking for that and what's flexible and what's inflexible. Um, Same thing with, with candidates. Yeah, it's, I really can't stand my job. I really want something new. My wife tells me I'm miserable all the time. My husband tells me I'm miserable all the time and I just need to get out of here. And, you know, it it turns into a bit of a counseling session at the time. It's sort of like, because you hate your job doesn't mean that you need a new job. It means you perhaps need a better and more clear line of communication with your boss and or the boss's boss. And so it's really digging in on the reality of the situation and having those super candid discussions that we pride ourselves on and, and being able to hear and listen simultaneously and, and ask those hard questions and just say, hey, okay, let's take a step back. Why are you disgruntled in your current role? If you're not willing to sort of do a deep dive assessment on what you want to be when you grow up, that I say sort of tongue in cheek, 
you know, have you taken the time to ask yourself why you're looking for a new role or from a client perspective, why you need to hire this position and even us going as far as saying, you know what, you know, it seems like you're hiring perhaps out of desperation, right? You know, and us even counseling, let's take a step back. Let's take a few weeks off from the search until you get really clear with your board of directors on what you're looking for, get really clear with your leadership. Um, You know, even again, if it's not good for our wallet, we're still willing to say it. We're willing to have these sort of long-term, and it's important to us to have these long-term conversations and long, this vision for the long-term for both clients and candidates and have these super candid discussions around what's right for the organization, what's right for the individual, what's right for the spouse. And then as a result, you know, we have these long-term friendships and partnerships of people that we've been working with again and again of who have moved from company A to company B to company C, and they take us along for the journey. You're launching a new executive search division this summer. How does that differ from what you've already been doing? Yeah, no question for us, timing was right. Um, as we did 10 years ago, you know, we identified an ongoing and unmet need for 100% honest, candid, and authentic partner when it came to executive search in the startup and enterprise realm. We felt like it was time to write a new chapter for TI, especially being that this was our 10th anniversary. And it became increasingly clear that the startup and enterprise companies around the U.S. were having difficulty in building truly diverse, profitable, and high-performing executive teams. And we felt like we were uniquely positioned to help, especially building teams with staying power. In reality, we filled countless executive roles over the years, but we're not known for it. We're known to build high-performing, innovative, diverse engineering teams. And so we thought it was a bit poetic in our 10th year to change that perception. And so we built a dedicated division for executive search with an emphasis on building the most diverse innovative, profitable executive teams in Colorado and beyond. And we're super grateful for the opportunity to do that and grateful for the reception that we've gotten from the startup community. And uh, we're excited. So you mentioned uh, diversity and inclusivity quite a bit there. Talk a little bit more about that. Why is that important? And what has the reception been? Is that something when you're working with a client and pushing the inclusivity, diversity angle, are most of them receptive to this? Have you met much, any resistance to that? What's that landscape look like these days? You know, as a 50% woman-owned company, it's really at our core. We have been talking about building diverse and inclusive teams with this also culture-first approach for, for many, many years. It has seemingly come into vogue only in the past few years uh, in the general population, because there's thankfully a lot of data that has come out from McKinsey uh, and others that show very clearly that teams that are more diverse, teams with women at the helm, teams with diverse boards of directors are simply more profitable. And so, you know, while we've been talking about this for many years, and, and as I mentioned to you previously, you know, we acquired 
last year, a women in tech centered uh, recruiting firm, Find My Flock. And we've been talking about this for many, many years. And these high level placements that we've done uh, go back to our inception. You know, we're proud that this is at our core. Thankfully, it's not something that we get pushback against, but there's still a fair amount of education around ensuring that why it's important to have a pipeline, even just in the beginning of the process, full of candidates from diverse backgrounds and underrepresented populations. Just as an example, um, there's statistics that say if there's only one woman in a pool of candidates that she is pretty close to 100% unlikely to be accepted or chosen. But if there are uh, two or three women in the pool of candidates to be chosen from, you know, even if it's uh, six or more candidates, um, the likelihood increases to 50% that a, a female is chosen. And so that statistic alone is sort of staggering, right? You know, and, and educating our clients around the importance of, you know, filling the queue with candidates from a variety of populations and, and they really need to come from all populations. Lately, and like many, you've turned your attention to how the coronavirus is affecting business and all of us now, and will continue to do so moving forward. Have any responses or trends left out as particularly notable for their effectiveness or absurdity? Yeah, really interesting. I think we're still, to some degree, in early phases. We have been spending a tremendous amount of time, as we do usually in the community, um, in this case, we've been working with Energize Colorado, which is was originally headed up by Brad Feld and is now led by uh, Wendy Lee. Um, and um, tomorrow, we'll be doing a webinar on mental health in times of COVID, uh, as well as around sort of helping folks on both sides of the coin, both clients and candidates understand the importance of mental health uh, in in the work environment and and helping hiring managers you know understand body language better over a zoom call you know with more remote workforces and how to open lines of communication with their employees who are working from home and dealing with all sorts of new challenges similarly we'll be having a another webinar on uh, diversity and inclusion and both for uh, hiring managers and for for candidates and in the the age of COVID and how to build more effective remote teams. So we've been pouring ourselves into those discussions and trying to provide value, continuing to provide value to the community. You know, every day we hear about more layoffs and rifts, and we wrote a blog that we can share perhaps in the links around, you know, resources for unprecedented times, you know, where we sat down with folks from Twitter and Amazon and, tech stars and you know some of our competitors even and just to say how can we best be of assistance to the community and how can we be of assistance to people that are being affected by these layoffs you know it is unprecedented that there was another three and a half million people last week who filed for unemployment i think bringing it to 35 million or something it's it's scary statistic right you know and scary times. I still choose to look at it through a glass half full lens of that this is an opportunity to 
choose where you belong. You know, my typical mantra for job seekers is I don't give a shit who's hiring, figure out where you belong. And, you know, if God forbid you are laid off, you know, I still counsel folks to look at it as an opportunity, you know, look at it as an opportunity to become an entrepreneur on work on something that you've always wanted to work on, you know, on your side hustle, work with some other great engineers who are affected by layoffs uh, and or get really clear on where you do belong and what you want to be working on, you know, whether it's something meaningful, more meaningful than what you were working on. You know, we're happy to help people find uh, other like-minded souls if you've been impacted by a layoff. And if you have to take a contract in between now and then to make ends meet, then do it. But this is an opportunity to get really clear on what's going to be exciting to you to get up in the morning and do, right? You know, is it to start a podcast? Is it to to build a startup? Is it to join a renewable energy company doing great work in the world? Or you always wanted to get into Ethereum development, you know, development around the Ethereum community. Whatever it is, listen to your heart because those are the things that are going to matter in the long run. And, and while it's not going to be easy in the short run, we will get through this. And this is an opportunity for reflection. And that includes for employers as well. Um, and seeing that some employers are really giving a tremendous amount of severance, are doing things the right way, are making sure people are covered with health insurance for the at least the remainder of the year. You know, that's the right way to do things, right? To make sure there's a soft landing, you know, hopefully even perhaps welcoming some of these folks back in, in a contract status or just saying, hey, we love you. Thank you for your work. And we're going to make sure you and your loved ones are covered through the time of COVID so you can go figure out what's next for you. You know, that's the right way to do things. But, and, and having conversations on both sides that uh, how to do these riffs correctly, you know, counseling our clients. Uh, and then similarly, you know, sitting down with candidates again and again on, you know, how to navigate this, uh, this new reality. It's just sort of, it's just what we do. So to follow that thread a little bit, but zoom out a little. For all its tragedy and loss, this pandemic has many feeling optimistic that we can enact some long overdue and much needed changes to how we live and work. Do you share this optimism and what's your best vision for how things look when we come out of this? I thankfully have always been an optimist. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's no question that these are tough times and tougher for folks who are blue collar than, than they are for white collar, which is an unfortunate reality. You know, I, I look at this as an opportunity to really sort of take stock of what matters, right? It's, it's time with your family, doing puzzles, understanding that uh, you can only do so many puzzles and spend so much time with your family. You know, it's, it's an opportunity to listen to what your heart and what your gut is telling you, both personally and professionally. And if that means spending more time outside, exercising more, meditating more, listening to more Tim Ferriss podcasts, listening to more uh, Boulder Tech podcasts, what, whatever it is that, that drives you, that really, that makes your heart sing, you know, hopefully you collectively have had an opportunity to understand what those things are. Obviously, for folks with kids and doing homeschooling and trying to work and do the dishes and, you know, all of these things, I recognize that you don't necessarily have a whole lot of me time, but I do know that people have gotten clearer about what's important. And I would just say, listen, right. You know, don't return to 
the rushing out the door with, you know, the coffee stain uh, on your shirt because you're going a million miles an hour trying to get to work on time because the boss says you have to be there at uh, 859. That's just sort of a bullshit approach, in my opinion. It's my personal opinion, but, you know, working with people on meaningful things, people that you love and respect and grow from being surrounded by, oh, you know, as they say, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're likely in the wrong room. And so find the right room. Take this as an opportunity to find the right room and or rooms, series of rooms. And um, for Jalen, my wife and I, um, it has been uh, a great opportunity to, to really sort of reconnect with nature. You know, I used to hike and, and sort of sit quietly uh, and listen to the birds and, you know, listen to the, the streams a lot more than I did uh, a year ago. But, you know, I've come back to that and, and I've realized how important it is for me to find quiet and for me to be able to reflect uh, carefully on what matters to me personally and professionally. And all I can say is that I hope for people um, out there listening that they can do the same. Well, I hope you're right, but it kind of feels like there's such, there's such eagerness to get back to it right. here in the States, despite the risks that uh, the medical profession is screaming about. Yeah. I don't know. I really hope that people will, and employers and employees will hold that space for each other and allow for all these great new discovery, personal discoveries many of us are having while sequestered at home. But... I'm also concerned that there's just going to be a big, well, we've got a lot, we've been idle for three months right. now and we've got a lot of work to do and there's no rest for the weary and yep. we're just going to get back to it saying business as usual. Yep. And there's going to be some of that. There's no doubt. My sense is that'll probably be among the larger companies that, uh, that take that stance. Certainly there will be plenty to do for startups, but uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I posted a quote recently that, it was something along the lines of, you know, the best companies will grow the most uh, and thrive through this crisis um, and will have learned the hard lessons, right? You know, and, and the companies that perhaps didn't have the right leadership in place or were taking the wrong tact maybe deserve to put the brakes on and, and start over and or say goodbye uh, and, and reflect on it. And so, yeah, I think, you know, what I would say further is as an employee, you have the power to say, no, thanks, right? This environment is not right for me based on these lessons that I've learned in the past weeks and months. You, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Boss person, are entitled to go pedal to the metal, but I no longer believe in 80-hour work weeks or 60-hour work weeks for that matter. Sure, I'm happy to put in the hard work and do what it takes to get a release out the door, but in short sprints, right? You know, not in sort of never-ending, unsustainable ways of looking at the world. And if that's the way you are going to continue as an organization, I'm allowed to say no thanks. And everybody's got that right and that opportunity to look beyond uh, the madness. Sort of along those same lines, do you see any correlation between the notorious reputation of the hyper-driven founder or startup team who works until they drop, that and the decision to reopen the economy in the U.S. despite those medical concerns that it may be too soon? 
you have any thoughts on balancing the economy versus health equation? I mean, you already just kind of talked about that. Anything you want to add to that, considering the current events? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't keep a good entrepreneur down, right? I mean, you're you're always going to find the hyper-driven entrepreneurs uh, and and engineers and and executives um, who want or need to overload themselves with you know either launching a new company or you know making sure you get that new new client or you know cross that company goal off the list but again hopefully entrepreneurs executives boards of directors understand and see the importance of balance you know i'm not sure that silicon valley still understands that or new york city still understands that hopefully they're seeing that more and more companies are leaving the valley and coming to colorado and coming to you know, rural communities across America to, to start or expand their businesses because those old ways of looking at the world of go, 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 we don't care if you're going to burn out after 80 hours, you know, that's no longer sustainable. That's no longer the right way to do business. But again, you know, you don't have to be part of that. Interviewing with a company or being part of a company is a two-way street, right? Just because an entrepreneur decides to work 80 hours a week as the CEO or, you know, fill in the blank position doesn't mean you have to do that, right? You know, as long as the expectations are clear within the organization, you are getting your work done. You are not letting your team down and you can get your stuff done in 35 hours a week. Management shouldn't care. As long as you are excelling in your particular role, everybody's clear on expectations. There's no reason for burnout, right? You have time and you should still be making time to get out, go hike Sanitas, go do what matters to you, go bike, go work on a side project, go spend time with your kids, because at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? Um, not that, you know, there is no competition that you worked 79 hours last week and your buddy worked 80 hours last week. I mean, that's just a silly, silly way of looking at the world. It's just, are you being effective? Are you doing meaningful work? Are you happy with the work you're doing? And are you getting time? with your family, with those that you care about, working on things that matter to you, and are, uh, are you happy? Would you care to give a percentage of companies that you're aware of that adhere to that philosophy? You know, I'm glad to say that the vast majority of, of companies in Colorado, that's the way they look at the world, and I would say even more so now. Um, there are certainly plenty of companies in recent years that have moved from San Fran to, to Colorado um, or New York to Colorado and expanding operations and still have some level of expectation that you, you know, adhere to, to Silicon Valley way of doing things. And I'm glad to say that that is few and far between that um, when they move to Colorado, they understand um, that this is a different workforce and this is a different way of looking at the world. But there are still some companies that, don't understand that Colorado and the talented workforce that's here came to Colorado for a reason. And that is that balance. And that is that, you know, go skiing on a powder day, go hiking for lunch, go kayak to work or tube to work day, have fun and, you know, love and enjoy your colleagues and appreciate your colleagues. It's not about burnout. That's not what Colorado is. And so I would say the vast majority of businesses in, in Boulder and Denver adhere to that and believe in that. And that's why they're able to attract the top talent and retain the top talent because they treat their employees as peers, as colleagues, you know, allow them to work on side projects from time to time, you know, allow them to go work from home. Obviously, 
uh, even before the time of COVID, there were still a handful of days from home. Obviously, that's going to be a lot more now uh, in, in the norm. And, um, you know, that's why we love recruiting in, in Colorado, because of that understanding, because of that belief that uh, Colorado companies treat people like adults, and that's the way they should be treated. What's the thing you're most looking forward to doing once life returns to some semblance of normal? Yeah, you know, we're, we're looking forward to seeing our friends in the community again and, and just hugging our friends and, and having a beverage of choice with our, uh, all of the people that we love and respect in Boulder and, and Denver and in the startup community and, and beyond. You know, Boulder has long been our home and, and will always be our home. And to just be able to walk the streets and, and get big hugs from, from friends and clients and colleagues that we haven't seen in a while and just, you know, who knows when that will be, but that's what we miss, right? And, and um, that's what we're going to miss about Boulder Startup Week 2020 is, you know, running into people we haven't seen in a while and, you know, giving big high fives and big hugs to, to those that we love and respect in the community. And, you know, we all want that level of warmth and collaboration and, and um, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, community, of course, to, to come back to what it was. But um, that's not where we are right now. You know, we've got to sort of protect our, our, our loved ones and our family. Um, and um, for now, we'll, we'll be happy with the virtual hugs. But um, when the time is right to give those real hugs back in, in the Boulder and Denver startup communities, we'll, we'll be there. Yeah, I'm looking forward not just to seeing friends, but just to not having to wonder whether it's safe to see the friends. Yes, right, exactly. Just be like, yeah, let's do that. Not should we do that? Is it okay to do that? But let's just do it. Yeah, yeah. Technical integrity, you pride yourselves on helping people understand the importance of mental health, work, life balance in the startup realm. And you did a talk with Brad Feld on this topic a few years back. We'll link to that in the, in the show notes for this episode. You're also doing a webinar tomorrow, which will be Friday, May 8th, with KPMG and local leaders for Energize Colorado. This isn't going to be published in time for people to tune into that live, but will that be archived? And if, if so, where can people go to listen to that and hear the Brad Feld or watch the Brad Feld interview and whatever else, where else do you want to send people, what other resources? Yeah, thank you. You know, mental health for, for me is, is very personal and it's why I'm spending time on it. It's, you know, in 2010, um, when I founded Technical Integrity, I, I also had the bright idea to start a, a tech startup uh, at the same time. So to run two brand new full-time businesses uh, out of the gate, uh, not the smartest thing uh, to do, but I was, you know, young and hungry. And unfortunately, as a result of after about a year of running TI, Technical Integrity, and this tech startup, and having a, a falling out with a co-founder, you know, I ended up in the, in the hospital from exhaustion and, um, you know, really learned what it meant to not do all of the things that we've been talking about, not do the 80-hour weeks, uh, you know, understand that you can't change the world overnight, that it's a marathon and not a sprint. And, um, you know, I learned those lessons the hard way. And it took a real physical and mental toll on me. And so um, that's why I did that talk with Brad, Tom Higley, and others uh, in 2014 at Boulder Startup Week. That's why I continue to talk about mental health uh, for entrepreneurs. And it's been a passion for me to, to help on others understand that um, nasty breakups with co-founders is, is actually, unfortunately, fairly common in the startup realm. And that, you know, you're going to get through it. And here's how to do it. And 
so yes, um, you know, we continue to talk about these things. Um, it's a passion for me to help others through tough times. Uh, and so, yeah, or I'm really excited about this panel tomorrow that we're doing that will be linked to uh, energizecolorado.com uh, as well as at KPMG, as well as, of course, at uh, technicalintegrity.com. And then the week after, we're doing another one on diversity and inclusion, KPMG and Energize Colorado as well. So all of those will be at Energize Colorado at the very least on their YouTube page, but I'm under the impression those will end up on energizecolorado.com along with all the resources for folks affected by layoffs, uh, folks who under, want to understand what it means to bring your, your workforce back to work and what best practices are. There's free financial resources for founders, for entrepreneurs, um, some really amazing folks have volunteered their time. There's uh, availability of grants also at uh, Energize Colorado and all sorts of, of advice. So, um, you know, check out uh, also the uh, resources for unprecedented times blog I mentioned from on technicalintegrity.com that has a ton of resources for job seekers who, who are thinking about a move, who are forced to make a move due to layoffs. Uh, and then, you know, you can also feel free to email me at dave at technicalintegrity.com if you have questions, uh, both on hiring, as well as if you've been affected by a layoff, I will do my best to be of assistance. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I mean, just super grateful to be here. You know, we love Boulder. We love Boulder Startup Week. Um, we love Boulder Tech Podcast. So just honored to be part of this and um, continue to be of service to the community that we love. And we will see you on the interwebs. Check us out at uh, technicalintegrity.com and at Tintegrity on Twitter is pretty active. So it's just the word integrity with a T in front of it on Twitter and then in, uh, on Facebook as well and, um, and then on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Dave Mayer from Technical Integrity. Thank you very much. You guys hang in there. You too. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Dave Mayer, founder and CEO of Technical Integrity. Learn more at technicalintegrity.com and follow Dave on Twitter at Tintegrity. The Boulder Tech Podcast is made possible in part by Boulder Startup Week Platinum sponsors Honey, Name.com, and the Downtown Boulder Partnership. We're also supported by Glider, a Colorado-based community movement and nonprofit that produces Boulder's Ignite and TEDx events as well as Boulder Startup Week. Learn more and consider a donation at glider.com. Our intro music is by Echo Deck. Hear more at echodeck.com. That's E-C-C-O-D-E-K. Our outro music is by Earthrise Sound System. You'll find them at earthrisesoundsystem.com. The Boulder Tech Podcast is produced by me, Joel Davis. Your feedback, criticisms, comments, and guest suggestions are welcome. Reach me at joel at dojo4.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here for the next episode of the Boulder Tech Podcast.